0: This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We use active skin repair all the time in our household. We call it the magic spray. We use it for so many things, but it came in hot recently when Sage fell and busted open his lip, and we had our first trip to urgent care for stitches. And now, with all the bumps and scrapes that come with summertime, It is very much on the scene. In fact, Mila, my five-month-old, recently got a little cut on her finger and Sage noticed it first and he was like, Mama, I'll go grab the magic spray. He was so jazzed to be able to do it and help her and be a part of it. It's become a staple in our household. You can visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's code VILLAGE for 20% off your order at ActiveSkinRepair.com. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 158. In this episode, I got to hang out with Dr. Jean Cheng, a psychologist out of Singapore, and we are diving into overcoming perfectionism. We break down what it really is and what it stems from, and consequently, like, what do you do from there? Where do you go from there? I don't know about you, but this was something that has come up in my life a lot, and something I've had to do a lot of work around. It's something we talk about on the seed team a whole bunch, that we couldn't put work out into the world and support you and walk alongside you on this journey if we were waiting until it was perfect, and how we would leave every single day feeling like a failure if perfection was our goal. This episode has so many practical tips for you to start implementing right away. I'm so jazzed to share it with you. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that today is the last day of the membership being open. The cart closes tonight at midnight, and then the membership will be closed. If you want to come join us, if you want support and structure on how to do this work, you get access to Tiny Humans, Big Emotions and our reparenting class, and then you get ongoing support every single week. We are walking you through the how of this work with real life, everyday tips. It's also the space where you can ask your questions and get support from our team. As the village has grown, it's become too hard for us to answer everything in DMs. And so we created this membership as a space where we can pour into you and serve you. We will also be bringing guest workshops into the membership. So you can learn from other folks doing this work as well. They will all be Q&A style. You can show up live or submit your questions ahead of time and you will continue to have access to those as a member. Every month we will do different giveaways and bonuses for our members as well, really pouring into the village and walking alongside you in this work. Head on over to seedandsew.org slash membership to join today. CART closes tonight at midnight, SeedandSow.org slash membership. All right, folks, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blass Campbell. In this episode, you will hear the word mother mentioned. You can feel free to replace that term with whatever term you identify with as a parent or as a caregiver. We were talking to each other as a couple of moms. And I want you to know that that is not limited to moms. And you might identify as a parent or caregiver with a different term and feel free to pop that in there. Hey everyone, welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today I get to hang out with Dr. Jean Chang, who's joining us all the way from Singapore. Thank you for hanging out with us and carving out time to be with us.
1: Thank you for having me, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, it's so nice to get to meet you. I've been following your Instagram for a while and I love the content you put out. It's been about a year, yeah, that you've been on Instagram?
1: Yes, yes, just slightly over a year, yes, it's... It's such a great learning platform for myself as well because there's information from people from all kinds and all perspectives. So it's like, as I'm putting out content, I'm learning so much from everybody's content as well. And it's so great to just be connected with so many different people here.
0: Totally. It's such a nice place to find community. Can you share with our village a bit about your background and kind of what brings you into this work?
1: Yeah, I did clinical psychology. I did my master's and PhD in Melbourne, um, University of Melbourne in Australia. And how I got into this, well, I've always been interested in how human behaviour works. And I think the truth is that there's always a bit of trying to understand yourself as well. So I was trying to understand myself as well and like why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And yeah, I was always very interested to understand what motivated people, what would motivate me as well. So so I think that, that drew my interest in, in this field. And then as I did it, the more I did it, the more I just, I just loved it. And I, I found it very meaningful. And for me, having a meaningful job is important for me to feel inspired. So I'm privileged that I'm able to have a job where I can actually meet that need so yeah and that's that's a little bit about my studies background and I, I practice a little bit in australia as in i did my internship there and then i came back um to singapore and i've been working here yeah
0: awesome. uh just cu- personally curious how did your work shift or your like personal work shift when you had your little girl
1: oh good question <laughs> It changed a lot. I actually took a break for from therapy, as in being a therapist for about a year and a half and wow, having a little girl was like really given the platform to do my own therapy in that sense. Um, children are really I think I ever heard a quote or something like children will really give present you with so many opportunities to press into your into your trigger points, so that you can grow if you're willing to take that invitation and you have the support to know what to do to grow, so ah, uh, she really whipped me up
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure she continues to <laughs> yes, she does, and
1: um, yeah, I think parenting her really i mean a lot of therapy is parenting our clients as well because um, a lot of people come into therapy with with their own trauma, with a lot of unmet needs, not just necessarily because of um, abuse, although sometimes it is, but just the nature of life that our parents can't always be there all the time. So So a lot of people come in with their wounds as well. And there's a lot of parenting that's actually happening in therapy sessions. Um, We call it limited parenting because it's only for that time period. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's happening as well. So I think when I actually had to parent my daughter full time, then it was really, it took it to a different level. And like, you really have to practice all, I mean, I had to practice all my therapy skills. I had to go like, hang on, this is not, it it challenges me to relook at some things as well. And then it also changes how I look at my clients sometimes now as well. Cause like you, you see the inner child in them a lot more when you see a physical manifestation of a little girl of your own.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Totally. It's so interesting. I was in a conversation with someone the other day and she was in a triggered space and Mm -hmm. a good friend of mine. And she said at that point, she was like, I feel like I am not 32 year old me right now. And I was like, I don't think so either. (laughs) You could like see that inner child part come forward. Uh, We have a a course on reparenting. And so, reparenting is uh, a phrase that our or a term that our village is is quite familiar with and Mm. um, aware that we are made up of different parts that all form in in childhood. But one thing that I think can be challenging that I love that you address over on your page is that it can feel like we are insulting our parents if we are navigating the reparenting work, right? And can you speak to that? a little bit
1: yes so um, I've had quite a few clients when I talk to them about reparenting they kind of look at me they give me they give me a look first and they keep quiet almost like a child already like you know in the sense like I'm tentative hesitant are they not want almost like they don't want to upset me as well right because that comes up as well and they're like and so I, I see that and then I kind of try to break the ice a little bit because I, I know that it's confronting. So I'd say, how does this sound to you? Like, what does it feel for me to talk to you about reparenting? Like, to make it safe for them to talk about it. And they often tell me, like, um, it feels like I'm doing something bad. It feels like I'm I'm speaking poorly behind my parents' back. And I don't feel like it's fair to my parents, you know, that I'm talking about them behind their back. I mean, and they you know, it, it's so spontaneous and so natural for for so many people that I've seen to actually immediately jump to protect their parents and jump to the parents' defense, even before I've said anything, even before we've even talked about anything, you know, it's like, no, my parents are fine, you're great, you know. So that, that fierce loyalty that we are naturally born with, I think, like we naturally are born to bond with our caregivers. And I think that's part of evolution so that that still plays up even as we're adults and I think that comes from of course that younger part of us as well um so talking about it can feel very unsafe um as in reparenting ourselves can feel very unsafe and I think we need to actually when I talk to my clients about it I I I I break it down as in I I just speak about it very openly I'm like this this must feel very uncomfortable because you don't you you love your parents you know and you don't want and you know they've done their best and they have a lot as I said you know a lot of our parents have really done their best just that what can we do for example if we don't have enough finances so we can't be around and then some of our, some of the children then feel a bit more neglected for example what can we do that our parents have their own intergenerational wounds you know that they would just And they are not aware of that and and they don't have the same education and resources that we do to actually look at that for example so so, yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and uh, thank you i think that one of the things that can be hard to kind of wrap our heads around is that it it doesn't necessarily mean we have like capital t trauma that you Mm -hmm. had a very traumatic as you might describe it childhood but That there are all these parts that form just as an everyday part of life, right? Yes. That it's okay to examine them, right? Like that permission to say, oh, I'm going to take a look at what's coming up for me here and where that might be coming from. And it's interesting because I think, you know, when we look at, for instance, car seats, I think it's more comfortable for us to say, yeah, we I'm putting my child in a different car seat than I was in as a kid because we have different car seats. We have different standards. We've learned about car seat safety in a way that we didn't know decades ago. And so now we use a different car seat and that like tangible component of safety it yes. feels different than saying, oh, I'm going to choose a different approach to this from a parenting perspective, or I'm going to navigate this in a different way from a social emotional perspective, mm. can feel like a betrayal, whereas like the car seat might not. Yes. <laughs> you know?
1: Somehow, yeah. You,
0: <laughs> I love the way you put that. You're, you're right. <laughs>
1: like we, yeah. we take it so personally, or our parents take it so personally, or we're afraid they take it so personally. Yes. Yeah. Whereas Kara is like, oh yeah, sure. Upgrades. Exactly. Somehow, somehow this is not seen as an upgrade. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. It's so but, interesting to me. But today, one of the things I really want to chat about that kept coming up in our village, we, we consistently, it's like in my bio on Instagram over and over, say progress over perfection that you aren't going to, I've never left a day with a kid and been like, I was perfect today. (laughs) I handled everything perfectly, right? (laughs) It's it's not the goal to to be perfect or to get to a place where we're perfect. But I think that's easier said than examined. (laughs) And when it's coming up in the moment, you know, that like desire for perfectionism or that drive for perfectionism, I want to take a look today at like, what is the root of perfectionism? And if we tend toward perfectionism, what insight does that give us about our inner child? Mm. So perfectionism is very often a trauma response.
1: And what I mean by that is, and trauma, trauma, not necessarily in the big T ways, right? So it's more like even the small T's, the, the sense that I felt a, a little bit less loved than my sister in this instance, that could that could in itself kind of form like a message in myself that, oh, I'm, I'm less lovable than someone else. And, and you know, if that, is, if that is rooted a bit more, then, then that can feel like a, a trauma in that sense, you know, in the sense that we are not living in the, the actual truth of what's actually happening, but, but we're feeling some wounds inside us. So perfectionism is, is a very secure child wouldn't become a perfectionist. A very secure child... Can become very driven. Can become very confident. Can approach a lot of things, but they wouldn't feel like the compulsion to make sure that everything is done to this exact standard. And, and perfectionism is so is so exacting, isn't it? It's so precise. Mm. It's like and it's and, and it's also very variable for each person. But within ourselves, it's that sweet spot that is so high up there. So. Secure children wouldn't feel the need to, to just hit this. There's more flexibility in them. There's more the sense of, yeah, I'm growing. And, and huh, w- what is this spot that I'm supposed to hit? Like, like it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't come to them that way. But for a lot of us who develop perfectionism, it, it usually comes from a sense of, I would like to say that a lot of our childhood runes comes from a sense of a reduced sense of being loved a lot of it has to do with love or, and it's not, not necessarily that our parents didn't love us because they, a lot of our parents do. And I I know that I love my daughter a lot as well, for example, but who knows she might end up in therapy one day, right? Because the way I love her, she might still, she might not feel it. I might not be able to tend to her the way she needs, no matter how, how, how hard I try. Mm -hmm. So she might end up in therapy. And I think that's one of the things that um, as parents, we cannot take so personally as well. So anyway, back to back to that. So when a child feels less loved, then because children are designed biologically and evolutionarily for their own survival to be in connection with their caregiver, then it's like, if I feel less loved, usually it's because I feel less connected. Like somehow, somehow you know, you're not really tuning into me. You're not giving me the attention that I need. I'm not getting the warmth, the nurturing, the the attunement, the I'm not having you attuned to my emotions, then then I will also just notice when you do. And because our parents and maybe even ourselves, you know, when our children are behaving in a way that makes our lives easier, mm-hmm. we tend to praise them, right? Cuz it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, great." You know. So oh, you're helping, you're helping out with the dishes. You're such a good girl. You're so considerate. And we built that, you know, and oh, you're doing your, your homework. You know, that's wonderful. You're so studious. We praise these behaviors where they are kind of striving more. So then it's like, oh, when I'm, when I'm doing these things, mommy and daddy seem to be very happy with me. They smile at me more. They look at me more. I get that connection in that sense Whereas when I make a mess, they put me in timeout, they turn away from me, they they frown, they look angry at me, they, they disconnect from me, and that is very terrifying for children. Um, as adults, it can sometimes even be, be very terrifying for adults, probably because of a wounded inner child. Mm-hmm. But let alone for a young child whose whole entire survival is actually quite emotionally, it's very dependent on their parents physically as well. So just a parent kind of withdrawing from a child can feel almost like life and death to a child. So then if they have experienced that before and they have also experienced the converse where, oh, but when I do this, I get that connection. When I do this, mom and dad are happy with me, then okay, I'm going to do more of that. And then the more we do that, the more we get praise. So it's, it's really like positive reinforcement as well, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then we build that up and it's like, okay, I'm going to cater myself in this very specific way to, to cater to my parents' um, happiness. And then I feel happy because I will feel happy when my parents are in connection with me. So right. I'm not doing these tasks because I actually like it, but I might think I like it because at the start, it was paired with my parents' connection to me. So I think one of the roots of perfectionism stems a lot from
0: that as well. Yeah, like looking for that connection. And yeah. I, as I was listening, I was wondering like, man, what would this look like if we acknowledged and... I don't know if praised is the word I'm looking for, but connected with kids when they were having a hard time too, right? Like when yes. they were upset, when they were sad, when they were disappointed, when they were frustrated, if yes. we were able to attune to them in those moments, right? Yes. Like I don't want to do away with the like, Wow, you're such a kind sibling. Thanks for getting that toy or sharing that with your sibling or whatever. Thanks for doing the dishes and helping us as a family. I love Mm. that. Mm. And how do we bring that in then with those hard moments that, like, I love that you feel safe enough to share your sadness with me? You know, like being able to tune in in those moments and connect so that kiddos know it's okay for me to be sad and frustrated, and it's okay for me to work hard in school, right? Like both of these. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You know the mental gymnastics when you're trying to figure out how to dress your baby or your toddler for bed? Posh Peanut is the bomb for this. It has a two-way zipper, so nighttime changes with Mila at five months old, you're doing that like middle of the night, don't wanna get too woken up, diaper changes have never been easier. I can just zip up from the bottom, don't have to fully undress her, which means less fussing, a quicker return to those precious hours of sleep, which let me tell you right now, we're trying to grab every second of sleep that we can. And of course, posh peanut clothes are made from the softest viscose from bamboo. It is incredibly gentle on my babe's skin and the breathability helps keep her comfortable all night long. I'm not worrying about like, is she too hot? Is she too cold? Is this the right sleep sack? We have the AC on now. How does that factor into this? It is so perfect. Also, you can find the cutest little fabrics. I have my eye on a truck set for Sagey that is next in my cart. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. You can go to poshpeanut.com slash VILLAGE and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash VILLAGE. Promo code VILLAGE. I feel like for so long, figuring out hormones and trying to maintain optimal hormone levels has just been up to us as individuals. And it's so incredible to have a company like Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, dedicated to making women's lives easier. They use only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women and they make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. I was just chatting with a friend of mine who's entering into menopause, and we were just sharing about how hormones play a role for all of us. Hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that can put your life on hold. The biggest benefit that people have been reporting is feeling like themselves again. That's what people have mentioned over and over in their reviews, and there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today.
1: If we don't tie the connection that we give to our children based on their behaviors, then children also wouldn't tie it, they wouldn't associate it this way. And it would be safe to be either way and they would still be helping out because it's like it pleases you, but, but they don't feel like it's a threat to their survival because they know that even in my tough moments, mommy and daddy are still here. They still, they still are connected to me. I, I, they, they love me still.
0: Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's so powerful. I was thinking we were at our cousin's house this summer and they have a five-year-old and she was really disappointed about something. And I was on like the other side of the yard and she came and she found me and she just broke down and she started crying and was sharing like what had happened and why she was so disappointed. And I was able to just like be present and hold space and support her through that. And she ended up coming back later and said, thanks for helping me when I was feeling sad. And it was just like one of those, there were those moments with kids where you're like, oh, yes, like that That was, I, I did it today <laughs> and it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> but it was one of those where I was like, yes, like she when she was having the hard moment, she felt we were able to connect. She felt safe to do that. And that she knows that I'm there if she feels disappointed and she won't be in trouble and we can talk about it Mm. and hold space for her. And then we can also be excited and jumping on the trampoline and have those moments as well. I think the hard part is, you know, that inner child does get triggered for us, right? So when they yes. come over and they're having that hard emotion, or they're making a mess in the house, or they hit their younger sibling, we're gonna be triggered too. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and it's so hard to like regulate and then be present and hold space, all in because yes. it happens so fast. <laughs> yes, yes. And yes. so, how do we like, as folks are tuning in and they're like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to do this," like I, I do. Mm want my kiddo to know that it's okay to feel hard stuff and I'm here and we can connect and we can also connect on these things that may become more easily to me how as we're reparenting ourselves do we create new habits and boundaries that support us in moving away from perfectionism and really holding space for all of it the big question it's
1: almost, yeah the big question <laughs> it's, it's almost like how do we it's like i when I am regulated, I can do that, isn't it? Like, totally. so when we're, when we're fully regulated, we feel like, we feel like the queen, like everything is <laughs> graceful and it's beautiful and like how lovely, but what if they hit um, a spot for us and when we're dysregulated and as you said, very often the dysregulation, when we're feeling more frustrated and, and we're not our best selves, it it often comes up when we're, when something hits our wounds and sometimes we don't even know what exactly is that trigger. We just know we're very frustrated. We're very tense. And so it's a very good question. How do we then connect in those moments? And I I thought I might, mm, I thought I might just share maybe a personal anecdote for myself on, on this. So when I noticed there was a period of time when my daughter was younger, when she was two, two plus that, I just found myself kind of wanting to only spend like five minutes with her. Five minutes was the max that I could give her my, well, inverted commas, best self. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I wanted to leave, and I didn't understand. I I felt so guilty about that um, when that was happening because I was like, "What kind of a mother am I that I can only give five minutes to my daughter? How can I be so calculating?" And you know, all these things were playing up in my head, and I was beating myself up for it, but. I didn't know how to make sense of it. And then, of course, because I'm a therapist that does my own therapy work as well. So I was bringing this up in my therapy sessions, right? So yeah. So then I kind of identified that, okay, I, some of this is when my daughter was, she's two plus. So this is she was activating something in my own inner child that was probably two-ish years old as well. Because mm-hmm. when she was one-ish, when she was a baby, I never had those feelings like I wanted to run in the same way. I was I was triggered at times because I'm human, but I wasn't that triggered. Like I wasn't so like, I can't spend this time with her. And given that it was such a young age, I, I couldn't make sense of what could have happened, right? Because we don't have it in our memory at all. So it's like, oh how do I tend to that? Like, what's going on? I don't get it. But I noticed as well that it tended to happen when she was whining. So I used that word whining, which my therapist was like, hang on, whining? Like, you know, like language, what do you mean whining?
0: And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I think everyone here tuning in is like,
2: I know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was like, I, I, I get so triggered when she whines and, and I can't like, I can't take it. I need to run. And so one day as, as she was going through that moment, I, I I knew I had to be human and I, I knew that being around her, I would just be, I would just probably say like, stop it and, and scold her out of her whining in that sense. Tell me like whining. But so I decided I said to my husband, like, look, um, this is a lot for me right now. I I need I need some space. Could you deal with her at the moment? He, he was okay moving in. So I I I went to the room and I kind of breathed and I was like, what's going on? Like clearly something in my inner child was triggered, and what's going on? And I just I just kind of sat there for a while and I just felt so tense in my chest. And and then I kind of heard a I heard a quiet voice saying something like, it's not fair, you know. And I was like, huh, what, what is that? It's not fair. What is that? I, I didn't understand. But then I started to think about it more across a few days. So it's not immediately that we kind of connect the dots. Sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years. But I just thought about it a little bit more. And then I realized that as I tried to dig my memory a little bit, like when I was younger, I was not allowed to get angry and I was not allowed to just make those, you know, sounds right. And... And so while I actually, I actually felt proud of her for being able to express her anger, assert herself, like, like the adult self in me would be like, yes, like she is her own person. She's doing the things that I wasn't allowed to do. I'm so proud of you. Like, yes, tell me what you don't like. (laughs) Like I can hold space with that. But a part of me was like screaming, like, stop it. It's not fair. I don't like this. And and I realized that that was the part of me that wasn't allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to do it, you know. So so when she was doing it, and by the way, knowing this knowledge does not mean that I don't get triggered.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I still get triggered. So when every time she goes into that sounds, it's my trigger. And I would kind of have to be like, pause, brief, at least knowing that, knowing that she's, going to that sounds I kind of can anticipate okay I'm gonna be a bit triggered so I can tell myself okay breathe breathe and I'll ha- I'll actually have this so I ended up saying to myself like you know what you're right it's not fair it's not fair that she gets to do this and no it's actually great that she gets to do this but it's not fair that you didn't get to do this and and so you can you can grieve that you're allowed to cry about that um I'm sorry. Like I said to my inner child, you know, I'm sorry that you weren't even allowed to be a child and express your full emotions. And, and then I felt myself calm a little in my daughter's presence. Cause I was doing this inside my head as I was with her and she was whining. I'm just going to use that word for now, right just ahead. so that people understand <laughs> as she was whining, I just kind of was, I just kind of looked at her and I said, as I said to my daughter, yes, I know you're really upset. I was kind of doing a multitasking. It's almost like you're talking to two people at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then in my head, I was kind of like, yes, I see you and I'm not going to ask you to shut up just so that, just so that I attend to her. I'm also going to pay attention to you, you know, and, and I felt myself calm down. So I think sometimes us knowing that we're going to get triggered and if in that moment we know that what's going to happen is therefore I'm going to lash out on my child or I, I really cannot tolerate it, I think it takes a lot of compassion to ourselves and to our child that we kind of step away if we can, mm-hmm. if we can. And if we really can't, then it's also a matter of, you know, kind of just sometimes if I really can't, I would just hold her quietly mm-hmm. and and as best as I can. I don't want to say anything because if I say anything, I know that something unpleasant might come out so i just hold her and sometimes unpleasant things come out as well and then it's really like all right i need to forgive myself i need to just try again and repair that with my child maybe later on when i'm feeling a bit more regulated
0: so yeah i think repair is the greatest gift right that like you're saying as you're sharing this story and thank you for sharing your you're anecdote welcome. that it you were able to help that two-year-old in you feel seen, right? And feel cared for and receive something that she didn't receive as a child. And probably for, you know, the decades after being two has Mm. been wanting to feel seen and has lived inside. And I think it's so empowering to know that we can tend to those wounds and heal and just as you were saying, like when that child felt seen, you started to feel calm,
3: right? Mm. That, like
0: that inner child was like, okay, she gets it. Thank you for validating. Yes. I can calm now. And now you yes. can tend to your daughter. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's so powerful and empowering when we realize that we have the ability to do that. And yes. that it's not like, well, once there's a rupture that then we just have this inner child wound that lives there forever and there's nothing we can do, but rather that like there are things that we can do to hold space for and support that wound and that same thing for your daughter then, right? Like then when you aren't a perfect parent and when you do Mm -hmm. react instead of responding with intention, you know that I can navigate repair, right? Like it doesn't have to end there. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: It's so powerful.
1: I think one of, the, one of the most important things that I've also had to learn on this in terms of reparenting my inner child in the moment, mm-hmm. especially because as women, um, we are kind of, I think there's also a gender conditioning that we need to sacrifice ourselves for everybody else um, and this is passed on generations right so one of the most important things I've also had to learn is you know what like my needs don't come last and just because my child is crying doesn't mean that that's all that matters and I don't I don't get to tell my inner child like shut up stop it stop being selfish stop kicking like because we, we might not even know it's our inner child, right? But we would just think to ourselves, oh, I'm such a selfish mother. I find my child so annoying. Um What's wrong with me? Why can't I just be more generous? Why can't and what we're doing when we talk to ourselves like that is we're actually, in essence, we are, we're doing to ourselves what our parents might have done to us or what our wounds are about, what our traumas are about, which is to abandon ourselves further or to just shun ourselves further and to kind of just say, be quiet, just be the good girl. And same thing with kind of doing that here, we're kind of saying to ourselves in adult terms we are saying to ourselves, be a better mother, but actually it's almost like be a good girl, be a, be a you know, just, just do the right thing. Just, just, just be there for other people. It's not about you. And that is re-traumatizing to our inner child. So one of the things I've kind of had to realize and learn is, you know what? I need to pay attention to myself. So I often say to my inner child, like mm-hmm. my daughter is very important to me. And I'll be like, you know what? I need to tend to her but you're important too. Um, And in this moment, depending on the circumstance, in this moment, it could be, just give me a moment. I'll be with you in 10 minutes time. Like when I go to the washroom and I just get a breather there and then I would, I would tend Mm -hmm. to you. Or when my husband comes back and there's somebody else in the home, I'll tend to you. I'll check in with you later. Or in the moment, if I can, I could be, taking care of my child, but in my head, I'll be saying to my own inner child, like, no, you know what? The fact that you're frustrated, the fact that you're tired, the fact that you feel like it's not fair, as you said, you know, I see that. That makes sense. As opposed to like, stop it. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't see your pain. What I, what, what do you have
0: to cry about? You know? mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Having to validate ourselves is highly, highly healing. Yeah.
0: I oh, I love all of that. And that connection between like, the gender connection, I think, is huge. Yes. And I think when we can shift that narrative from like, I'm being selfish by taking care of myself mm-hmm. in this moment to mm-hmm. I can best show up with my child, because even if in that moment you don't yell or react, are you really able to connect with the whining child? if inside you're saying like why is she whining this is so annoying if that's what's happening inside are you really able to connect with the child in front of you
1: absolutely
0: versus absolutely. when you can tend to that inner child and hold space and connect to there it's much easier to connect to the child in front of you
1: yes exactly exactly it's it's not a competition. It's not a one win, one lose. It's actually a win-win or a lose-lose. Yeah. So if we take ourselves out of the, the equation, we give a smaller part of ourselves to our children as well. But we show up for ourselves fully. We show up for our children fully. I
0: love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us, you know, we carry shame and guilt around imperfection, right? That like maybe, mm. you know, I, I I was thinking of, parts of my childhood when I was thinking about coming into this interview and was just like taking a moment to be like, what did this look like for me growing up? And uh, this idea of perfection, there was very much a, an acceptance of failure of making mistakes in my house. And I grew up in a family of athletes and the expectation is not that you win every game or you make every basket or whatever. There's like an acceptance of, yeah, you're going to miss you're going to lose we're going to move forward and yet and so i do have and i and i think that i was i feel fortunate to have grown up in a space where mistakes were welcomed in some spaces and think it's the only way you can be an entrepreneur and start a business is if you're like, yeah, I'm going to fail a million times <laughs> <laughs> and keep going. Um, or even, you know, with kids, I have spent my whole life with kids and it does feel okay for me to be like, man, I dropped the ball. Like, where did the wheels come off the bus today? And how do I navigate that going forward? Whether it's repair or um, taking care of myself in another way tomorrow or whatever that feels comfortable for me. There are, however, (laughs) things where like, if I set a goal for myself and I don't reach it, then it's really, really hard for me. There's like Mm. perfectionism in that. And I was thinking about it. I was like, where does that come from? And realized like, even in this house where I didn't feel like perfectionism was a focus, there was still a lot of commentary around like, wow, that person's so smart or that person's so whatever. And it was when they were exceeding like, academically, or they had a 100 on the test, or they did make more shots in basketball, whatever, they were praised, or they were put on a pedestal. And when that wasn't me, that was what I was striving toward. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't necessarily comments about me, as much yeah. as, like, commentary that about I was exposed other people.
1: To. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yes. Yes. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust.
3: Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
1: The way, we, the way we as parents talk about people, our children learn so much about that. We don't necessarily have to do that to our child. But I mean, as children, we naturally just want to belong, to be accepted, to please as well, right? So hearing your parents talk about these things, you naturally want to be that so that yeah. you can be praised as well. Absolutely. And I
0: think yes. we see this in siblings, you know, where like you, uh, my mom, I can hear my mom saying this, where she would like give my brother a compliment or would praise him for something. And I would be like, well, I did this too. Or like, well, look, <laughs> and, and she would say just because. I complimented your brother doesn't mean I'm saying something bad about you. But as a kid in that moment, that's how it feels, right? Because I'm like, oh, but I'm not getting that. And I think that's so often, it's so common with siblings, where we'll see like, oh, but what about me? You're connecting with my sibling right now. And I don't feel connected right now.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's, we don't think of it in those terms, but it really boils down to connection, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's like, it's not so much about that we want to be we want exact accolades as our sibling but we definitely want that connection we want to be seen yeah we want to be thought of we want to be remembered by our parents yeah we want that connection so much yes
0: yeah. And I think even just to be able to acknowledge that in the moment as a parent, like, oh, are you feeling disconnected from me right now? Or would are you trying to connect with me too? Because I was talking mm. to your brother, like mm. just bringing that awareness that we don't necessarily have to solve it. You don't necessarily, ha- it doesn't have to be like equal, a compliment yeah. here and a compliment here, because that might not actually feel like connection. Um, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, but even just acknowledging I, yeah. that. Yes.
1: Even just acknowledging like, oh, oh, you're not feeling very connected to me and you like to be connected to me. That in itself is connecting. Yeah,
0: (laughs) right. I see see you.
1: Exactly. And that's what we all want to, that's all what we all want to experience that to be seen.
0: Yes, totally. I think that's so powerful. This has been coming up too around like uh, we had a question about birthdays and celebrating a a child's birthday. If There's a sibling, like, do we get them a present too or whatever? And I was like, I'm in team know (laughs) that like it's okay (laughs) for Jack to have a birthday celebration and Sam doesn't get a present and how can we let Sam know that he's loved and included and a part of the family when we are also paying attention to Jack like what does that look like for them to feel connected and it was really cool one person reached out and said when she was growing up they she would be a part of the like the birthday celebration creation for her sibling, right? So mm. they would like create decorations together, she and her mom f- to get ready f- to celebrate her sibling. And I was like, that's so fun. Like they got to connect
1: in yes. celebrating Jack. Yes, yes, that's
0: beautiful. Isn't that cool? It is. So as we're noticing that shame and that guilt that comes up, right? That so many of us are like, oh, I feel guilty that I yelled and lost my cool or that my inner child showed up today, which it's always Mm. going to, (laughs) right? Like if there's anything we know about inner children, they are very good at showing up Uh, (laughs) and will stay. And as you said, just because you're aware of it doesn't mean the trigger doesn't happen. And Mm. the goal isn't that we lose our triggers, right? Like that inner child's still gonna say, do you see me now? Do you yes. in the same way that the three-year-old says, is this the boundary now? Do you see me now? Yes. <laughs> the inner child will as well. And so when that not just
1: our siblings.
0: No not just our siblings, that our own
1: inner child, yes. Yeah.
0: And so what what does this look like when that shame and that guilt is coming up around like I wasn't perfect today? Um, mm-hmm. how do we move through that?
1: So when our child is has done something
0: and we've kind of shamed them and how do we kind of... Or if we've just yelled or reacted or even just had the thought in my head, like, gosh, this is annoying (laughs) because that's going to come up sometimes, right? Yes, yes.
1: Because being a mother doesn't mean we are like 100% always in love with our child, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a large part of it will have to do with allowing ourselves to just be present to that emotion first. So for example, if, let's say, if, let's say I've been, I've shouted at my daughter Mm -hmm. and I feel very guilty about that. Um, I feel, I feel a lot of shame. I feel like, Hey, I'm a psychologist. You know, I, I should, I should know better. Like how, how could I shout at my daughter? Then with recognizing that I feel shame, because I've kind of broken a connection with my daughter. Shame is often comes up when we have broken connection with someone that we love. So recognizing that I'm feeling that shame and knowing that I'm human too. And human means that I can't do it 100% perfect. I am a conditioned perfectionist and I'm trying to unlearn that conditioning. Right. So yeah. and I used to I used to think that being a perfectionist was a good thing by the way. So that's how deep my conditioning went. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to unpack that and unlearn that. But now my new my new focus is I want to be human. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be compassionate and be a human and and it softens me. Whereas when we're 100% perfectionists, we become very tense. And you you might be doing a lot of things like like the house is neat, you're getting things done, but but people don't exactly like being around you because you you get you get pretty tense and you're 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 actually very disconnected when you're in perfectionistic mode. Mm-hmm. So coming back to the shame, when I'm feeling that shame then it's often my perfectionism kicking in and kind of saying like you're not perfect. Therefore terrible. Terrible mm-hmm. that you're not you're not hitting the mark. And given that I now know that perfectionism isn't my goal, but uh, my inner child would still say, but we're supposed to be perfect.
3: Mm-hmm. You, know?
1: you know, she would cry. She she would actually cry and say, I, I want to be perfect. Like I, as the, as the loving adult, I'm like, perfectionism isn't a goal, I'm telling myself, but I can hear, I can hear something inside me cry and say, but I want to be perfect. Like, I love being perfect and I, I love myself more when I'm perfect, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, yes. I'm sorry. I love myself more when I'm perfect is like, oh, I feel like that captures it so much.
1: Yeah. Because we have these rules, right? About our love is conditional based on mm-hmm. how perfect we are on this continuum. So I, I hear that. And then I kind of. I kind of pause and I, sometimes I do a bit of imagery with myself. I do this with clients as well. Um, but for myself, then what I would do that is I'll kind of just close my eyes out. I'll just kind of ask, I'll just kind of sense and feel like go inside myself, this pain that I'm feeling. And sometimes I'll close my eyes and I will just go, "Mm, how old does this feel? Mm -hmm. And I don't think about it too much because if we think about it, we're, we're controlling the process and the inner child doesn't speak when it's being controlled. It needs to be free. So I kind of just close my eyes and I'm just like, don't think too hard. What number comes up? And for me, very often it's that two, three year old kind of age that comes up for me. And then I'll be out. So I'll just try and imagine how I look like when I was two to three years old. And if I can't, then I, what helps also is just looking up old photographs of myself and just looking at that so that I can get a better image of that. And then I just see that little girl saying, "I love myself more when I'm perfect," and suddenly it's easier to then reparent her because I have a visual of her, and it's a child now it's not just abstract it's actually a human being that I'm seeing, and a young innocent child crying mm-hmm. and it and being a mother, it taps into our. Oh, you know, being a mother is a real resource as well, because we want to fiercely love our child. I think a lot of your listeners here would be would be on this podcast because they, they want to love their children. So we mm-hmm. tap into that resource. And, and once I see a child in front of me, although it's myself, but it's a child, then I find myself softening and I say to her, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, honey. I know you want to be, I know you feel that you can love yourself more when you're perfect and... I'm so sorry that, that that's the way that you feel you can only be loved. And you might not believe me right now because this is still new to you. Um, but we're going we're gonna to learn to love you even when you're not perfect. And I'm going to tell you right now that I love you even when you're not perfect. And sometimes I kind of feel that calms my inner child. Mm -hmm. But sometimes my inner child still goes into like, no, no, almost like, how can it be? You know, like, what? I've been lied to this whole time. No, it's not (laughs) fair. I learned something else and you're changing it. You know, it's like, how could you take this away from me? And so sometimes she kind of shouts even more. And I would just, a bit like what we do for our children. So I'll just be like, you know what, honey? Like, it's fine. I know you don't like to hear this. So I'm just going to sit here and wait for you and I kind of say that in my head imagining her running around kind of just letting my my imagery go go with it and and then I just sit I'm like I'm here I'm waiting for you just like what we'll do for our own children and I'm not going anywhere and then eventually sometimes she comes into my lap and it just collapses there and, and I yeah and I say okay I'm here. I've got you we're oh gonna, I love we're that. gonna lend this yeah
0: thank so. you for providing that visual too I think it is really helpful for folks to understand like the concept of the inner child can feel abstract and hard to connect with. And I think having that visual is really, really helpful.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, Yeah. I feel like I could talk to you about this forever, um, but I want to respect your time. (laughs) Um, I know it's late in Singapore and I'm so (laughs) grateful that you shared your time with me. Where can folks connect with you and learn more about your work and, and follow along? So,
1: I'm on Instagram, and my Instagram name is Gene Psychologist, one word, and I also have a website that i'm I'm reparenting myself not to be a perfectionist about it
0: because it's been under construction for the longest time. <laughs> Every time like, I see an under construction website, I'm like, "Oh, I recognize that perfectionist <laughs> yes
1: so but hopefully um in time to come it will be up and the website is just okay. Um and talithakoum is spelled t-a-l-i-t-h-a-k-o-u-m psychology.com okay
0: and that'll um, it, will you have that linked in your um instagram bio too i do so okay. yes it's in right. my bio there
1: yeah great right. we will
0: link right. to all of that in um the transcript for this episode and Thank you so much for hanging out with me and just shedding light on kind of what this journey looks like. And I I love that you noted too, that it is a journey and sometimes you're hanging out with your inner child for a few minutes and they feel seen. And sometimes it's days, it's weeks, it's months, it's years, as they will often be very guarded and protected. And it takes a lot of trust for an inner child to really be ready to listen to what yes. we're saying, right? And even yes. at the end, with that visual that you were saying, sometimes that calms me, and sometimes they're not ready, just like the two year old that's yelling no to coping strategies because they're not ready to feel calm yet. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I love that. Thank yeah. you so much.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans.